the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. It's a sign of the times. Actually, I guess it's a, it's signs of the times, really. Every once in a while, I venture into Mount Lebanon, and I find the signs that pop up in the yards there are pretty interesting. A couple of years ago, it was Black Lives Matter everywhere, and they were usually accompanied by a sign that said something like, everyone is welcome here, science is science, no person is illegal, and that would all be on one sign. And I don't see those signs anymore, at least not nearly, not close to as many as I used to. And I'm not sure if that means that they don't think Black Lives Matter as much as they used to or that they stopped believing in science, but I have seen some signs popping up that say, Climate Action Now. I have no idea what that means, but I do know that their virtue has been properly signaled. Whatever it's supposed to do, I'm impressed, I guess. Now, what's interesting about signs in neighborhoods like those that profess a a love for people of color, immigrants... Uh, It's that the people who own the houses where the yards are, well, they've chosen to live in one of the whitest neighborhoods on the planet. And I'm guessing that the only immigrants they ever see are the ones working in their yards. And this isn't blaming them for choosing to live in a a really nice upscale neighborhood, but there are plenty of neighborhoods in the Pittsburgh area that have a much bigger bigger, um, mixture of colors and ethnicity So you would think that there would be a a major influx into those neighborhoods because of people moving out of Mount Lebanon, Upper St. Clair, Sewickley, Fox Chapel, and into those more diverse neighborhoods. But it's not happening for some reason. And what would really be interesting would be the reaction in any of those neighborhoods to Section 8 housing going up down the street. Uh, The Democrats would like to see zoning laws changed to allow high-rise rental properties in the middle of manicured lawns like they have in those neighborhoods that I just mentioned. Uh, of course, they want that to be happening in every neighborhood except theirs. But, you know, anyway, that's the way that works. So what do you think the reaction would be if that were to happen with a Section 8 apartment building going up in the nicest neighborhood in any one of those uh, places I mentioned? It would be kind of the same reaction you get when somebody suggests putting up some uh, really ugly wind turbines in their neighborhoods. That doesn't seem to go over too well. Just the other day, the big guy told the world that the Ukrainian flag is flying in front yards all over America. It was an idiotic statement, of course, and completely untrue, but most of the people in the world have no reason not to believe him. Well, when we come back, we're going to hear from an expert on Eastern Europe and Ukraine who wrote about seeing a Ukrainian flag in an affluent Pittsburgh neighborhood way back in October, and he wondered how it was able to sneak in there among all the virtue signaling signs he says it didn't fit, and he wrote about it, and we'll talk to him about that. And in our second half hour, West Virginia is about to pass a law that will allow concealed carry on the West Virginia college campuses. Liberals are wetting their pants. We'll have a West Virginia University student here, and he loves the idea. Stick around. Stick around. 
hacking the U.S. patent system, stealing American innovations, and we are helping them do it. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. Innovation Race, the shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots, exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. This is a race that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation. We need to up our game. In today's high-tech world, there's no prize for second place. Watch Innovation Race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My son Finn was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. Dennis Prager here. Sue and I mean it. Dogs are part of our family. We love Otto and Snoopy so much, there's nothing quite like their loyal companionship. So we provide them with rough greens. In fact, I just talked to my wife about it because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be with us as long as possible. That's true. I know Sebastian Gorka feels the same way. The Pragers and I couldn't agree more. Our pups, Killy and Alea, rely on us to provide what's best for them. And naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black has packed rough greens full of vitamins minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, and more that supplement their food in a way that has shown us great results. Trying out Rough Greens is an easy yes, recommended by me, Dr. G. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black here, and I'm so proud that the Pragers and Sebastian Gorka have entrusted their dog's health to Rough Greens. I'm so confident that Rough Greens can help your dog, I'm offering you a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Yes, your dog's food is dead food, but you can bring it back to life with Rough Greens. Go to RUFFGreens.com. Are you tired of long hold times when you need tech support look no further than vision computers with us the average hold time is just 15 seconds that means you won't be stuck on hold for hours on end waiting for assistance but that's not all our custom-built pcs also come with three years of parts and labor included plus one year of managed service that means you can have peace of mind knowing that your computer is covered for any potential issues. And when you purchase a new PC from us, you'll get printer, email, and general software setup assistance at no charge. That's right. We'll help you get your new computer set up and running smoothly at no extra cost. We know how important it is to have a reliable computer, and that's why we go above and beyond to provide top-notch tech support and service. Visit us at www.visioncomputers.com or call us at 404-COMPUTE to speak with a live person today. 
This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. A few days ago, Joe Biden uh, told the world that Ukrainian flags are flying in front of yards across America. I don't know about you. I haven't seen any. Uh, Michael O'Shea is a Pittsburgh guy who's done lots of research on that part of the world. He's an alumnus of the Hungary Foundation. Uh, and seeing a Ukrainian flag in a really nice suburban neighborhood got him uh, motivated to write a column about it for the Federalists a few months ago. And he joins us now. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we get into this, uh, what, what's your background uh, and uh, the Hungry Foundation and and uh, your expertise on that uh, that uh, section of the world? Yeah, I'm a writer here in the Pittsburgh area and a Polish citizen, and I spent the last year researching and writing in Hungary. So the Central and Eastern Europe region is very dear to my heart, and um, I support peace in Ukraine, and I hope and pray for an immediate ceasefire there. Okay, so you so you, you saw a Ukrainian flag in among uh, lots of campaign signs for Democrats uh, back uh, several months ago and before the election. And, uh, call, and it was in there among the usual virtue signaling signs. So what was your immediate reaction when you saw it? I did. It, well, it struck me, certainly. Uh, I was walking with my wife in Upper St. Clair. We don't live there, so maybe I noticed things. And um, I, this this house was an eyesore. The, the lawn was overgrown. Um, it had signs for every Democratic candidate you can think of. And in the usual, the BLM, the blue and yellow equal sign, the uh, you know, in this house, we believe in science, et cetera, and a Ukrainian flag. And I thought to myself, one of these isn't like the others. It, it really struck me. What, why wasn't the Ukraine flag like the others? Well, first of all, I think if, if the people who live in that house or, or a lot of the people who have a Ukraine flag um, in their social media profiles spent some time in Ukraine, they, they would see how the, the social, cultural, religious norms in that country are, are very much at odds with the ones that they profess. Um, secondly, the, the very idea of flag waving um, is kind of a bizarre fit for, for these people. Certainly, um, I don't think they'd be the first ones to be waving an American flag on the 4th of July. So, um, something, something is afoot here. Something was strange, and it inspired me to write about it. So, what, what um, about the the social uh, structure and all the stuff that you mentioned there in Ukraine is? Are, do you think they're naive about? And and then that's why you wonder why they would put the flag up because they really don't know what they don't even know what the flag represents other than geography. Right, right. Um, I, I found it ironic because, well, first of all, Ukraine is a um, a pretty religious country, a, um, an Orthodox country. Um, it is, uh, you know, a place where people are not um, busying themselves with some of the the hot button cultural debates that we're having here in this country. And um, yeah, it, it just isn't really a, a place I would think of as a candidate for, for you know, some of these uh, suburban professional types um, in Pittsburgh or in any other city um, to attach themselves to. What's the virtue that do you think they're trying to signal there? with Because the, that's what it's all about, all those signs. Right. Um, what's the virtue that I'm supposed to be signaled about if I walk by their house? 
I think uh, the Trump years sped up a lot of processes that were already taking place. And we saw um, very quickly the, you know, the advent of this idea that one's politics should be injected into every facet of his life, into the schools, into the businesses, um, et cetera. And so the, there was this constant um, movement to talk about one's opinions on Trump in a very public way in the workplace, whatever it might be. Um, same thing in the, the COVID years, the, the various COVID debates that took place or the, you know, the need to have a picture of oneself at a BLM rally um, on, on social media or even in, in a workplace setting. And as some of these issues have receded, as Trump has you know, had a diminished role in the spotlight, as COVID has receded, um, I think people still have the need for that dopamine hit. You know, how am I going to establish that I have the correct views, that I should be praised, and how am I going to get that societal praise? And I also want to draw a contrast to, to what I experienced in Hungary, which, of course, shares a border with Ukraine. And the Hungarian people, um, many of whom earn far less than uh, suburban Pittsburghers. Um, they dug into their hard-earned money to, to bring armfuls of food, clothing, diapers, toiletries, etc., um, to offer spare rooms in their apartments. Um, doctors offered free medical care, you name it. Um, the Hungarian people really rose to the challenge, and I saw the same thing in my travels in Poland, Slovakia, etc., and that's that's real humanitarianism that has real substance behind it. And I, I think it's really at odds with what we see here with the hollow um, virtue signaling of having a Ukraine flag um, next to your pronouns in your LinkedIn profile. So these people were were providing all this stuff to Ukrainians. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I mean, people would be waiting from uh, at the train station for trains coming from the east to help out any way they could. People gave the, the shirts off their backs for, for these people fleeing the war. Well, Hungary has an interesting um, uh, history with Russia. Everybody uh, knows about, or should know about 1956, uh, and also uh, Yarmir Yager's uh, 68 jersey uh, is related to Czech uh, and the Russians. So that, just how do these people in general view the Russians? Do they... Does the average person in those countries sit around worried about the you know tomorrow it's going to be them and Russia's going to be knocking on their door or rolling tanks down the street? There's some key differences country by country. Um, so Hungary, for example, is landlocked. Um, it has to import virtually all of its energy, um, and it has a very small population and does not border Russia. So that um, affects um, the the pragmatism that it takes with, with regard to, um, you know, any, any great power, really Poland, on the other hand, shares borders with both, uh, Russia and Belarus, uh, has a long history of, um, of Russian, Russian aggression, Russian treachery. Um, and it does have you know, access to the sea and, um, some different channels through which it can obtain energy. So, all of these factors are at play. So I, there's really not a Central Europe-wide or Eastern Europe-wide response. Um, but certainly every every country in that region has been subject at some point to uh, Russian aggression. We're talking to Michael O'Shea. You can find his piece at thefederalist.com. Um, and he wrote about this way back in October. 
uh, having seen a uh, Ukrainian flag in a yard in Upper St. Clair, and it struck him as kind of being out of place. So, uh, so what you're saying is that uh, supporting the war in Ukraine doesn't fit in with the usual causes celebrated by liberals, right? Yeah, I think this is um, this is probably. Um, a result of some of the political realignment we're seeing throughout society uh, where suburbanites, uh, the professional managerial class, uh, the corporations that employ them are all moving rapidly to the left. Uh, Meanwhile, the working class um, seems to be um, gravitating more toward the right or at least seeking, uh, seeking to fulfill their needs from uh, some figures on the right. So it, does represent quite a change from what we've seen over recent decades. And, um, you know, I think that that that's probably a, a lot of what is at play here where, you know, of course we think of the Vietnam era and it was the left that was vocally opposed to the war. Um, here it's these kind of newly minted suburban leftists, at least cultural leftists who are, calling for more and more war. Um, I do want to emphasize, though, that um, this um, this advocacy to end the war, which which I think is really important, um, it has voices from all over the political spectrum. So you see uh, people on the left and the right who want this war to end immediately. So that gives me hope, uh, and I hope it will, uh, the power, the momentum behind it will continue to increase. Well, um, Michael, I don't. I'm obviously not an expert on it, and I, I'm I'm not a military expert either. But I've just been on the planet long enough that I, what I've been seeing from the beginning here, is this ending with I don't know if it ends with a shot of uh, Zelensky and Putin together in a room toasting each other, but I I just have a feeling that what I'm going to see when this is over is um, some kind of a settlement. Lots of people dead. Putin and Zelensky will still be very much alive and living well, and lots of buildings will need to be rebuilt, but nobody will have gained much. Um, I, I, maybe that's a question that's not, you know, that you're not ready to answer, but I'm just wondering, am I nuts for thinking that that's a possible scenario And who knows, months, years? No, I think you're absolutely right, although I'd amend it to say no one on Main Street will gain much. Um, I, I think this needs more, this deserves more press than it has gotten, but, um, both parties, the Ukrainians and the Russians, uh, in March of last year were prepared to sit down at the negotiating table. And it was the Western powers, the United States, the United Kingdom, France, et cetera, who, uh, intervened to prevent that, which is baffling, baffling to me. It's, it's immoral. It's shocking. Um, and then I, I would urge people to consider our track record militarily over the last 75 years. Um, we have proven that we are incapable of establishing and meeting military objectives. We're incapable of winning a war in any meaningful sense of the word. Um, and our politicians, our military leaders, our industrialists have no incentive whatsoever to fight a short war or better yet to avoid war in the first place. Um, so I don't know what part of that picture gives people confidence that we should be prodding the world's largest nuclear power and frankly committing acts of war against it. It's deeply shocking to me, and I I think we desperately need a change of mindset here. And remember, this is coming from Michael O'Shea, who is uh, an expert on this part of the world and has studied it and lived there. 
and you you have a feel for what the people are like there or what they're you know how how they they differ in in, in different countries um, what would you say is the one thing that let's start with liberals get most wrong about what's going on between Russia and Ukraine right now I think um, we uh, we see some of these demands that are both unrealistic and dangerous, reckless to make. Um, for example, that we would continue to um, take military action until Russia no longer holds Crimea, for example, um, which it doesn't jive with either Russian history or um, geopolitical reality or et- ethnic uh, habitation of the region or anything along those lines. Um, Russian leaders have said that that would be a, you know, a line to cross that would lead to nuclear engagement. So we see these careless, um, assumptions like this. Uh, Another one, um, you know, being that we would continue to, oh gosh, whatever the latest weapon of the week that Ukraine wants, uh, well, we should give it to them. doesn't matter how much it costs. Um, also, I think there's an oversimplification of Russia's objectives, what is valuable to Russia. Of course, Russia's at fault in this war. Um, Ukraine is is the victim. Ukraine, I hope, will come out of this better than Russia does. But um, we have this oversimplified bond villain impression of Putin and of Russia, and that doesn't help anybody. It's dangerous. Um, yes, Putin runs a thuggish regime, um, but... He's a complex figure. He has complex aims for his country, and um, he is at the helm of a country that has had a very tumultuous century. So to ignore all of this and uh, paint this oversimplified picture, well, anything Russia does is evil. The opposite of anything Russia does must be good and must have our um, undivided support militarily, financially. It's it's baffling and it's reckless, and we really, really need to change the dialogue quickly. Does Zelensky deserve to be called the Churchill of our time? No, absolutely not. I, I truly believe that he loves his country, and I commend him for that, and I wish him the best. But he presided over a corrupt oligarchic state prior to this war, just as Russia is a corrupt oligarchic state. Um, there's nothing about his reign to this point that would be you know all, all that commendable in my estimation and to bring him in front of congress and give him the lefluenza treatment it's really disheartening to me i i don't think he belongs in the same conversation as lefluenza um you wrote a piece for the federalist last year a different piece at the federalist.com and the headline was the people most willing to risk nuclear war with russia are those least likely to fight it what do you mean by that yeah, you see this um, in in opinion polling where the wealthiest Americans and, and the upper middle class are the most enthusiastic about expanding the war and, um, you know, continuing to um, pursue it aggressively, whereas the working class is, is the opposite. They're the least enthusiastic. In the event that, um, God forbid, we are brought in a more direct way into this conflict, It'll be the working class who send their sons uh, to fight. It'll be the working class who suffer the financial uh, benefits of a, or uh, sorry, suffer the financial consequences of a catastrophic war. 
and it'll be the wealthy who will be able to diversify their assets, um, keep their family safe, et cetera. So um, I think that all plays into it. Secondly, I think we need to think about how here at home, it's the working class who are um, the greatest victims of the opioid crisis, who are uh, the greatest victims of groceries and other um, necessary goods being more and more expensive. Um, and it's very easy to see how all this money that we already can't afford because um, we have over $30 trillion in outstanding debt. Um, we already can't afford it, but we are sending all this money to fund this overseas conflict. Meanwhile, our our cities here are ravaged with opioids and our the bills are becoming harder and harder to pay. And it all makes very obvious sense why the working class would not be enthusiastic about um, continuing to, um, to 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 fund and um, prosecute this war. Well, Michael, I don't uh, get around that much, but that's uh, that's as good of explanation of what's going going on over there as I've heard. I really appreciate you coming on, and I just tell people to Google uh, Michael O'Shea, O apostrophe S H E A, and Ukraine flag, and you'll uh, and the Federalist. You'll find his piece. Michael, I hope to have you on again sometime. Thank you. Very kind of you. Have a good day. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was in East Palestine, Ohio, site of the toxic chemical train derailment. Buttigieg asked if he waited too long to publicly express concern for the community. The answer to your question is yes. I felt strongly about this and uh, could have expressed that sooner. Again, I was taking pains to respect the, the role that I have and the role that I don't have, but that should not have stopped me from weighing in about how I felt about what was happening to this community. The February 3rd derailment led to evacuations and fears of air and water contamination after a controlled burn of toxic chemicals. Opponents of New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell rushed 10 boxes of petitions into City Hall on Wednesday and declared they do have enough signatures to force a recall of the second-term mayor. The Dow is ahead 57 points and the Nasdaq up 70. This is SRN News. We're entering a time of increasing hostility against people of faith, a time when Christians are going to be tested on a moral and physical and financial basis, unlike any other time in our lifetime. I'm Lance Wallnow, Christian author, evangelical leader, here to remind you that you have to take action to protect and steward what God has given you. For example, record high inflation is going to continue to eat away at the dollar, and the savings of your retirement account is in danger. Fortunately, God does provide a way. To protect your retirement, I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. Now, to see how it works, just text the word FAITH to 989898. That'll give you access to a free info kit on gold IRAs. There are no strings attached, so text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 right now, and I pray your family is blessed with peace of mind because you took action. 
1250. The answer. The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. And of course, the left does it all the time. You saw what they did with people on our side. It was it was it was stomach turning. I get we need to fight, and I want to fight with words, with logic, with ideas, with persuasion. But we're not going to play that game. I hope. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at nine, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM twelve fifty. The answer. From the creators of I Can Only Imagine comes Jesus Revolution. If you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see an entire generation searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. Based on a true revolution. You're going to need a bigger church. Jesus Revolution. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. See it early February 22nd. Be in theaters everywhere beginning February 24th. Go to JesusRevolution.movie. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Do you have a loved one entering a nursing home? There's a lot at stake. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Depending on your family's long-term care goals, there are important decisions that should be made before a facility is needed. Talk to a qualified legal professional today. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we can help your family navigate the complicated Medicaid rules so that you can properly save some or all of your life savings from a long-term care crisis. Before you apply, contact Abernathy and Hagerman at a-h.law. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. We'll see partly cloudy skies for tonight with winds gradually subsiding. Expect a nighttime low of 30. Breezy tomorrow with intervals of clouds and sunshine. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 36. Mostly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 23. As we start the weekend Saturday, you can expect partly sunny skies. We'll reach a high Saturday of 44. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Now, as of right now, it's illegal to carry a gun, uh, a concealed weapon, on a college campus in West Virginia. That's about to change. On Tuesday, a law to make it legal passed 84 to 13 in the state house down there. And last week, it passed in the Senate 29 to 4. Uh, next step is a Republican governor's desk. So it looks like it's about to be passed. Cole, Cole Kepner is a correspondent for campus reform, and he's also a junior at West Virginia University. He joins us now. Cole, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So um, how is this news going over with the students? Not uh, First, I want to just ask you in general, and then maybe your friends, you know, the people that you hang out with. How's this going over? Um, it's going over uh, pretty well in terms of support. So Le- Leadership Institute's campus reform recently did an article that showed that 49% of the students at WVU actually support this bill and want campus carry uh, to be pushed forward. So I think that's a, that's a great number, and a lot of students are for it. And what would you say the average, based on your, your junior, so you've been there for a little while, um, what would you say the um, average 
uh, West Virginia students' Second Second Amendment IQ is good, bad, average. Um, I'd say the I'd, I'd say it's pretty average. We have a lot of people that come in here from out of state, uh, typically New Jersey and Baltimore. So they're uh, they're pretty novice in terms of their IQ. But um, I'd say uh, I'd say it's pretty average overall. So so kids uh, as college students, they understand not just the uh, the um, the superficial stuff about yeah you have the right to bear arms but the history of the second amendment and how it's not necessarily even about it's not about hunting deer i mean does the average college student get that um i would not say i understand that i mean this has been a growing trend among college campuses when they've been trying to strip us of our second amendment rights we've seen this at universities like american university um, they, they were trying to, there's a professor that's recently wrote um, a book about trying to say how the Second Amendment was racist mm-hmm. and um, how that we're, we're kind of seeing that on our college campus as well. So that's kind of what we've been seeing. Well, as, as a person who's um, a, uh, a correspondent for campus reform, are you a conservative in a sea of liberals or is it pretty split there aside from this issue? In such a deep red state like West Virginia, you'd think there'd be a lot more conservative students on campus. So I'm definitely um, a fish out of water here. Surprisingly, you are. Yeah. yeah. And, and does that def- how does how does that affect your social life? Not bad, honestly. Um, I've made so many new friends through the organi- the organizations I'm involved with on campus, like the many conservative organizations that um, we actually catch a lot of flack for. But um, it's been a good. It's uh, been very beneficial overall, and I've received a lot of. Uh, lifelong friends to this and networking. It's just uh, I, I'm very blessed to say uh, I'm very blessed about that. So are you are you um, accused of being a racist for being a strong Second Amendment proponent and someone who's in favor of this law that's about to be passed? Yeah, well, tabling a couple times. Um, I've been uh, I've been I'm spit on. I've been having our uh, tabling supplies thrown off the table. Been cussed out by professors. I mean, you name. Um, every word in the book, and this isn't—I mean, this isn't just a Second Amendment issue. I mean, we're seeing this as a, a First Amendment issue along with college campuses too. I mean, at Western University, um, with these conservative organizations, we just be, we're just continuously targeted upon, especially um, trying to kick us off campus while we're tabling, even calling the police on us. Even when the police took our side, especially our SGA, they are—they're about the worst there is when it comes to trying to get us um, removed from campus. There was a vaccine mandate that was trying to get passed a while back, and we were trying to speak our minds. And um, we, we caught a lot of flack for that as well. So it's not only a Second Amendment issue, but a First Amendment issue as well. So wait, you're saying that uh, college professors are showing intolerance to your views? How can that be? <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, I wish we would have caught it on video, but we, we do catch a lot of um, a lot of flack from professors that walk by and share a table and give us a side eye, even cuss at us. But um, it's it's. It, it does get unbearable sometimes, but that's what you got to do when you're trying to fight the good fight. Do you think the West Virginia faculty would have passed uh, this law if they had a vote on it? Um, I honestly think they would. Our president um, of the university, President Gee, along with the administration, they believe um, that this bill should be put in the hands of the administration and not in turn and not um, in the hands of politicians, as he said. Mm-hmm. So that's um, I think they would definitely have it their way if they could. So they, but what I'm saying is, do you think? I guess the, the this just another way of asking: is the is this something that would be a popular um, vote among the West Virginia faculty? You oh, know? absolutely! I'm sure everyone on the faculty would put their vote forward 100. percent They would they would be against this law, or right? 
Oh yeah, they'd be against it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you're. I'm saying they would be. They'd probably vote um, if they could vote on it to vote against it. Is what I was trying to say. Yeah, but I mean, do you think they would it would be in the same um, same proportion that the state house did uh, a couple of days ago, eighty four to thirteen? Think the percentages would be oh, no, reversed? I, feel, I think it'd be reversed. Those numbers, one hundred percent, against yeah. the bill. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, now, do you think the shooting at Michigan State a couple of weeks ago? Uh, got kids to thinking about getting a gun. What, what was the reaction on campus when you hear something like that? So the few people I talked to, they brought that up quite a bit, and they actually saw that as an opportunity to get a gun because the response time, the national average for police on campus is about 10 minutes, and a lot can happen in those 10 minutes, and they took notice of that. And um, a lot of those people I talked to finally received their first firearm. So they're first-time firing is in the state of West Virginia, which is great because they see the need to protect themselves off campus since it's uh, – not allowed yet, but I'm sure once this bill passes, they're going to be um, using their Second Amendment right on campus to protect themselves. Yeah, and there's a famous incident just down the road in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech um, that where a bunch of kids were shot. Um, do these? Do, do many of your friends, even even the ones that that you um, that are with you on this this movement and and maybe uh, are, are with you with campus reform, are they are they people who own guns at this moment sorry i'm sorry you cut out for a second what'd you say no uh, what i was asking was um the the people that that you um hang out with you mentioned that you've made a lot of friends and that you're you're a fish out of water when it comes just in general because of of the crime of being a conservative um do you the, the people that are involved with this movement to get this law passed and the people who might be um, friends of campus reform, are they likely to own guns now? Yeah, I would definitely say they're likely to own guns, um, especially just after all that um, that we've been through and witnessed, and a lot of people that I've talked to said they, I'd say for sure. And where are you not allowed to carry a gun on campus with this new law? Um, I believe it said we're not allowed to carry it on campus um, in terms of wherever the sign is going to be put up. Uh, wherever it's regulated, especially in um, large stadiums like football games and uh, basketball games and baseball games and things such as such of that nature, those are off limits in terms of this new bill. So they'll they'll have metal detectors at the games, probably, and maybe more likely now that they'll have secure uh, heightened security to make sure that nobody comes in there with a gun. Yeah, that's most likely what's going to happen. Um, do you think that? people the the average student down there at west virginia will feel safer if uh, this law is passed tomorrow will they feel safer next week than they do now or or more will I they feel more will they feel more in danger i think it's definitely going to take some time to get acclimated to but i believe um once people start to realize that concealed carry is not as big of an issue as people think because a big a big issue on campus right now is the whole mental health and anxiety aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, when they realize that people are going to be concealed carrying, but they just can't tell who it is. I think that's going to, um, over time, it's going to wear off and people are going to start to feel even more safer once they realize that, that these people who are lawful concealed carry owners haven't shot up the place as they're so as they're so afraid of happening so i think they're going to feel more safer with that knowing that we're we're responsible gun owners we're talking to cole kepner he's a correspondent for campus reform and he's a junior at west virginia university the state uh house passed a law 84 to 13 on tuesday and the senate 29 to 24 last week 
to allow concealed carry on college campuses in West Virginia. So, um, so this applies to all West Virginia colleges. Any idea how it's being received at the smaller schools? Do you have uh, campus reform chapters at any of these other places? Um, I'm not aware of that, but I know there's been a mass email sent out in this state about the bill because a lot of the administrators and uh, teachers are very concerned about this. But um, in this state, especially at the high school level, a lot of uh, the teachers are for it. So I think it's um, it's going to be uh, received very well. So you think it'll be received well uh, as well at Fairmont State, say, and West Liberty as it is at West Virginia? Uh, more so, yes, than West Virginia University, because Fairmont State is definitely a more uh, red, uh, red campus in WVU for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. So what 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 makes you say that those, other than from personal experience, that uh, Fairmont, this, is, this was, as an example, Fairmont State, uh, that's a much smaller school, obviously. Why would that be redder than West Virginia University? Uh, just from going there from friends that I know, um, they're going there for their uh, their pilot's license and their education de- or their um, engineering degrees and just being on campus like everyone there um, either hunts, fishes, uh, owns a firearm, and um, everyone that I've, I haven't seen anybody on the left side really bring up any issues when we were tabling there for Turning Point USA trying to get some more people. So I think it's going to be very well, re- very well received there. You know, it's interesting, uh, Cole. I, I heard from a guy today. Uh, he went to Pitt Johnstown, I think it was. Um, he's probably, he's probably, it's probably in the mid '90s, early '90s that he went there. And they were, they would bring their guns to school, uh, and they were perfectly. Will, the the school had no problem with it during hunting season. They would, they would have their their guns with them on campus. They would be in their cars, and no, nobody said a word. And um, as far as I know, I, 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 I don't think there were a lot of major shooting incidents at Pitt Johnstown. And so this, and that's just one example. So this is not, I wonder, how, I wonder if, the, if the people in charge at West Virginia are aware that the students used to bring their, and high school kids used to do the same thing if they were on the rifle team, that having a gun around a school was not considered necessarily a dangerous thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we're and um, even my granddad mentioned that a few times when we brought up the topic of campus carry. It wasn't an issue back then. I think the culture has definitely changed, and the education and respect of firearms has uh, decreased heavily throughout the years. I think that's a heavy contributor to that. Well, hey, Cole, I appreciate you coming on the show. I, um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this become a law and then see what happens down there on campus. Maybe we'll give you a call again later on to see how it's going over down there. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Okay, thanks, Cole. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay, you too. That's Cole Kepner, and he's with Campus Reform and West Virginia University. I'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. Sue and I mean it. Dogs are part of our family. We love Otto and Snoopy so much, there's nothing quite like their loyal companionship. So we provide them with rough greens. In fact, I just talked to my wife about it because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be with us as long as possible. That's true. I know Sebastian Gorka feels the same way. The Pragers and I couldn't agree more. Our pups, Kelly and Alea, rely on us to provide what's best for them. A naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black has packed rough greens full of vitamins 
supplements, minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, and more that supplement their food in a way that has shown us great results. Trying out Rough Greens is an easy yes, recommended by me, Dr. G. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black here, and I'm so proud that the Pragers and Sebastian Gorka have entrusted their dog's health to Rough Greens. I'm so confident that Rough Greens can help your dog. I'm offering you a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Yes, your dog's food is dead food, but you can bring it back to life with Rough Greens. Go to RUFFgreens.com. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data, you can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month, because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, school choice. And out in Arizona, they have, I, I don't know if it's exact, uh, 100% official yet, but I believe it's it's been passed and has officially uh, been declared a, a law and a, a position for the state that they're going to have universal school choice, which means... Each kid will be given money from the state to go to the school of his or her choice. And so that really makes the teachers mad. Uh, It really bothers the teachers' unions and the uh, rank and file in those unions and um, because they can't believe that someone would dare to think that a parent would know better than they do what they want their kids to be taught in school. So this is what's going. This has been going around the last couple of days. This is a woman speaking at a, I believe it's a school board uh, meeting in Arizona, and just listen to this. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that it's a mistake. I'm just speaking from the heart. Um, the one line that I love is, uh, we must remember that the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want their children to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. Yeah. Who's society, lady? And how do you get to decide what a parent wants their kids to be taught. Uh, you can't have the, the parents running in there and changing the curriculum you know, every day or every week or every semester or every year, but um, just in general to think that a parent, first of all, a parent who's not a teacher couldn't also, couldn't possibly also have, you know, an advanced degree. We all have advanced degrees. We're teachers. We're the only people on the planet with an advanced degree. Now, this woman, uh, I'm looking at her now, she's yeah, late 40s maybe, 
uh, somewhere in there. She's middle fifties, you know, fiftieth. She's a she's not old, not young, but um, she's a product of the uh, the colleges, and that's where the degrees come from. As last I checked, you get a degree from colleges, which have become nothing but places to go to have your kid indoctrinated. So it's getting to the point where the last person I want deciding anything for my kids is somebody who came out of a major university. And this this woman is proof. Wait, we have we have advanced degrees. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor like Jill Biden. So you have to listen to me. I'm smarter than you. Look, I got it right up here on the wall. It's my diploma and it says master's degree on it. I have a master's in gender studies. So listen to me when I tell you, you know, what we should be doing with your kids in school and how dare you even suggest that we shouldn't be teaching them that there are more than two genders or that, uh, that if a man wants to be a woman, all he has to do is wake up tomorrow morning and say so. That's the kind of stuff that's being taught uh, or, or, that, or that the United States was founded on slavery and, and uh, the whole country is based on slavery, which is what they're trying to push with the 1619 Project. So uh, this is the kind of attitude that, that uh, you're dealing with. And you know what she is? She's a walking, talking advertisement for what? School choice. I don't want my kids being taught by you, okay? Here's the other thing I don't want. I don't want money being taken out of my pocket to pay for you to teach my kids. I would rather find a teacher that I like or a school that I like and take my money and pay those people to teach my kids and not be forced, forced to pay you. How about that? Does your advanced degree allow you to grasp that concept? I have an advanced degree and you don't. Wait a minute. I do have an advanced. I don't, but maybe, you know, there's a parent out there who might have three advanced degrees and might even be smarter than she is. Well, that's what you're dealing with. And fortunately, in Arizona, they're going to have school choice, and I hope it spreads everywhere. And, and believe me, it is spreading. Not nearly fast enough, but it's beginning to happen. And we'd love to talk about it here on the show, and I'm sure we'll be doing it quite a bit in the future as much as I can anyway. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.